Hi, and welcome to season two of the LJPC Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Cunningham. As my faithful listeners know, this is a podcast about the amazing people who attend La Jolla Presbyterian Church in La Jolla, California. The first season focused on our fabulous staff, and season two will focus on some of the fantastic people who attend our wonderful church. In future episodes, we will get to know some of those people. But for our first episode, I want to catch up with our fearless leader, our pastor, and my husband, Paul Cunningham. Hi, Paul. Hello, Shannon. Thanks for letting me join you. (laughs) Welcome. Thanks. It's good to be back. This is your third time on the podcast. Third time on the podcast. You're a repeat customer. I guess so. I know. Well, we have a few things to discuss today, but let's start with a little recap of your summer. So summer was was a really good summer. Um, Most people probably know that in June, our son Micah graduated from high school from La Jolla High, which was a great great day it was also the same day as our 25th wedding anniversary yes. so that happy anniversary um, honey happy anniversary to did you did i too. forget to tell you that <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure it was a little bit of a crazy a day, day yeah. so we have yet to fully celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary but um, we'll get to do that at some point in the near future but yes. anyway it was awesome to see micah graduate and to be a part of that and have family in town and um just to kind of watch him move on to the new part of his life which i'm sure we'll be discussing later yeah he was Um, an intern here for middle school all summer love being an intern i I love the intern program at sunhouse and i think as i always talk about it's just great the legacy that this church has of continuing to hire college kids to come in and work with our own students and our kids have been blessed by having interns and it was fun to watch him actually get to be an intern um, our daughter Morgan also was an intern right. for two summers in children's ministry. So, so that was really great um, to watch him kind of grow and see him move out in his faith and lead in the middle school. So as soon as he graduated, uh, the next week we left for Belize for a week and built, uh, finished building a home for a family and started building a new home for a family. And that was really, really great. And I had to leave a few days early to head up to Seattle for one of my closest friends, mom's memorial service. And I just was grateful in knowing that as I left that uh, we had a team that was well experienced and would get the job done and they did. And so um, it was a wonderful, wonderful week and came back home for about eight or nine days. And then we left for Malawi and mm-hmm. got to spend uh, 13 days, I think, or 12 days in Malawi with our sister church, Lingazi CCAP. And, and how many people were on your team? So there were six people on our team and um, four, let's see, one, two, three, four of us. Four of us have been there before, so it was fun to have um, a group of folks that had, had been down there before. And, uh, and so we had a really wonderful time down there. And it's fun for me to just see how that relationship with the church has been growing uh, with Lingazi CCAP. And now basically every year they either come here or we go down there Mm -hmm. and so to be able to be down there and preach a couple times i shared about one of those experiences in a sermon on a sunday morning of um, figuring out what it's like to preach in the dark and not be able to see your audience and congregation and (laughs) which is a very strange thing and then to have your words translated and not be able to see the translator who's (laughs) translating and so it was it was a rather unique experience but as i said in that sermon it was really this idea that we just keep preaching in the dark Mm -hmm. and that it's up to god to take care of the rest and i think that for me that's a really good uh, reminder that my life is um you know i preach you do what you can do you preach in the dark and let god handle um, the rest of the details and so that trip ended, and we were flying back home. And as most people are aware, that was when I got news that um, our beloved pastor Stan had passed away. Right. <sighs> yeah. 
And that's still hard? It's still hard. Right. Um, Love you, Stan. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so we flew into that and um, right. just had to kind of walk through that and how do we um, process grief, which is probably, um, you know, we're still trying to do that, but right. how do you process that loss and celebrate Stan and um, work through that as a staff yes. and as a congregation of um, saying goodbye and dealing with all that that, that meant. Yeah. So um, it was not a, not a great way to... Uh, to come back in, but um, we know that Stan's in a better place. So. Right, right. Well, losing Stan did affect you and and the entire congregation deeply. Um, I mean, how can it not, right? Yeah. Um, but can you share a little bit about how you and the staff and the congregation's been dealing with the loss? I think um, a lot of it is just conversations. Mm-hmm. I, th- I don't know. As I said to the church when I talked about Stan, I'm like, I don't have a... You know, I don't know if there's a great way to do that or a not great way to do that, but I think um, we've just continued to have conversations around that. We gathered mm-hmm. as a staff the first week after he had passed and just told stories about Stan, and I think that we continue to think through, man, we miss Stan, right. and sitting in staff meetings and um, just the years of wisdom that he had and ministry experience that he had and um, you know, kind of the the grandfather of our staff, if you will. And I think that that that's still missed and it's still a, there's just an emptiness, you know, when you walk down the halls and Mm -hmm. we know we're not going to hear his voice again. So, Mm -hmm. um, but for me, a a big, a big part of just kind of getting through the the grief for me was his memorial service Mm -hmm. and just the great job that his kids, his kids did. the, The thoughts they had about their dad and the way they lined the service out and, um, just truly celebrating a great guy. And mm-hmm. so for me, that was because I kind of went into just a couple of weeks of, you know, just sorrow and grief and um, trying to sort through what all that looked like. But uh, but for me, the memorial service just really was this kind of turning point of saying, you know, life will never be the same, yes. but we also celebrate him and mm-hmm. that's what he would want. And so I think for the staff, it's just thinking through how do we continue to honor Stan and remember him celebrate who he was and mm-hmm. learn you know live into the lessons that that he taught us mm-hmm. so well so yes. but it's 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 still hard i mean as you can tell as i'm still having a hard time discussing yes. it so yes. um and i think that's okay i think that's a part of a part of the journey right right so uh, well, and we just returned from doing something that brings a big change in our lives i mean it's been an emotional summer a little bit of a roller coaster absolutely and so uh what just happened in our life honey so labor day weekend we moved micah into whitworth university Mm -hmm. uh, which you know we had we were there three years earlier to move morgan in there and so it's (laughs) it is strange to think of like gosh both of our kids um, are in college and what does that look like and i think i get asked two questions a lot which is one how are you doing and two how's empty nesting going Mm mm-hmm and uh, I think I'm doing okay on most days. I think I'm doing pretty well. And I think the empty nesting thing is, uh, as I tell people, I said, Shannon and I are still trying to figure that out, mostly because we haven't been home much. Um, <laughs> we've been traveling or had tented our house for termites, which was a lovely way to come back from being gone. And um, so I think, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think, Shannon? How are well, we doing? it is funny because people ask, how's empty nesting? Like, like, um, you know, has our marriage fallen apart yet? I think <laughs> maybe they're asking that. I don't know. <laughs> but I think the funny thing is, is that, you know, p- 
people say, oh, oh, you're empty nester now, so now you have to get to know each other. But um, I don't know if people realize that the blessing of working in full-time ministry together for 25 years, yep. we've been married for 25 years, and we've been working in full-time ministry together for 25 years. And and the point of that is that we've been working together in, tw- yep. in full-time ministry for 25 years. That's very true. And so it's not there's not a time where we have to say, oh, who are you? We've been, we haven't been living separate lives for 25 years. We've been working together. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is strange. I tell you having dinner at the dinner table, just the two of us and thinking, gosh, both of our kids are um, gone. And this is probably the new normal for us in our lives. And, um, and, but you know, we get to see them again in three weeks for parents weekend. So that's, be fun to be able to go up to Spokane and yes. see how they're doing. And, and we were just there because we were celebrating my mom's birthday and we were right. all together. Yep. Celebrate your mom's 80th birthday, which yes. was fun. So, um, so I think it's going well. I mean, I think it's still trying to figure out, you know, um, organizing our lives around mm-hmm. the new normal and trying to sort through that. But I think that that will come with time. And, yes. Um, and so I'm looking forward to that. Yes. Well, Mike is doing really well. That helps. Yes, I know it makes um, mom happy. It makes me happy. It was, <laughs> it was good to be with the kids this last week, and um, have precious moments of of listening to them talk back and forth about classes and teachers and things that are familiar to both of them because we're blessed with the fact that they're at the same school. That's right. So many people don't have that, and so they have that shared experience together. And it's such a gift to watch them kind of go back and forth and, and share that with us. Right. And when we hear that, um, it makes us feel so much better about his adjustment. And, and he has a group of friends already. He has a nice roommate. And um, and he's calling sister for advice about things. And uh, so it seems to it seems to be working well. So that, that of course, makes us feel better. Yeah, Seeing absolutely. him and seeing his adjustment and... And uh, that he doesn't need us as much as we would like to think he needs us. <laughs> well, then Morgan graduates in May, which will be a whole, yes. you know, a whole new adventure for us as well. Of what does her launch into the world look like? And yeah, um, she'll be moving back home. So uh, <laughs> well, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll only be empty nesters for that. a short we, period we have of time. We a disagreement about that. So. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, but well, no, we'll it's fun to happens. see both kids thriving and enjoying yes. life in Spokane. And we'll see how Micah does with his first winter because that'll be a whole new experience for yes. him. Well, and people ask all the time, "What's what are Morgan's plans when she graduates? And the answer is she doesn't know yet. God hasn't revealed what that plan is yet. And, um, you know, she's a she's pretty sharp kid, so there's many things that she could do. And, and so we'll see where God calls her and, and places her. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More so. on that in May when you interview me again, possibly <laughs> in the spring. Yes, yes. If well, I get to come back. If you get to come back. So I think that uh, also, you know, empty nesting is uh, 95% wonderful and, well, the little we've experienced of it. And uh, there's that 5% piece that's hard because you miss your kids. Yep, absolutely. You know, and so there's there. I was driving to church yesterday and um, and I thought I saw Micah. <laughs> drive by there me i saw a gray truck and and for a split <laughs> second i thought there's micah and then That's i right. went oh no wait he's not there and you just kind of feel your stomach drop a little yep. bit you yep. know like oh dang yep. <laughs> So that's a different experience. Yes. The, the dogs are getting a lot more attention. <laughs> the dogs are very happy. More more neurotic and more happy. I don't know how that works. Yes, but. yes, yeah. Um, I did want to go back for just one second before we move on to talk about the fall. Um, I did want to mention that 
I did interview Stan and Marie in episode seven of this podcast. Yes. And um, that was such a gift for me, of course, not knowing God's plan to take him. Um, but to be able to spend that time with them and to listen to them talk back and forth and uh, their beautiful relationship, yep. a long marriage of just love between the two of them. And um, and also a shared ministry together. Right. Absolutely, um, they they lived so much ministry together, and we're so close. Uh, and so, if you guys want that opportunity to hear Stan and Marie kind of talk about their lives and um, and just listen to their relationship back and forth, it's it's beautiful to go back and hear that now that we've lost Stan. And yeah. that's episode seven episode of this seven. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, great great idea. Um, so things have changed in uh, the life of our church, <laughs> <laughs> yes. and we are now in the fall, which can be the busiest time in our church year, um, and our staff has actually experienced two significant losses um, between Stan and also Mike moving on to uh, be the head pastor in Escondido, and, yes. and I had interviewed him in a past podcast about that as well. Um, but can you share your thoughts on, uh, this season of church life? Yeah. Um, I'm telling people, I said, I think, you know, with Stan leaving us and Mike moving to Escondido, um, the hardest thing is, is I think about in terms of how do we move forward is we have lost, you know, 29 years of relational ministry. Mm-hmm. Stan being here 17 years, Mike being here 12 years, actually, you know, plus the first 20 years or so when he was sure. growing up at this church. And I, I and I am telling folks, I say, I really think that that's that's where I noticed just the the loss of Stan traveled um, through aging with so many people. You know, he came here in his 60s and kind of just you know, help watch or help so many people go through the process mm-hmm. of grief and losing loved ones or people just dealing with chronic illness or disease or fighting cancer. And, um, he just built so much relational collateral with people. And I, and, and you just can't replace that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just no way that that is ever, um, replaced. And, and with Mike, the same sort of thing of just being on staff and moving in the world of youth and children and community life and, um, you know, both of them being incredible friends to me in ministry. And, and Mike as well had just this relational collateral with so many people. And so I think, yeah, I think for the church, one of the things that, that the church needs to remember is, is those relationships, we, we can't, you just don't fix that. This doesn't get replaced immediately. Mm-hmm. There's just no way that that, um, that that can happen, regardless of who we hire or whatever it is that we do in the future. And so, um, that that's the hard part for me is just um, thinking through that. And uh, just a little update on Mike. He's doing great. Mm-hmm. He's thriving in Escondido. And I talked with him last week, and things seem to be going really well. And I think he's loving figuring out the rhythm of preaching on a regular basis <laughs> and running meetings and doing all the other sorts of things that head of staffs get to do. So I think that's great. And um, so I'm really excited for him and Sarah and the boys. Right. Great adventure. As I think about the future, because I think a lot of folks are like, well, you know, when are we going to hire new people and what is the new staffing pattern going to look like or what's the staff pattern going to look like? And what I'm what I'm saying to folks is uh, the way I'm articulating this, and I don't know if it's the best way, but the way in which it works for me 
is I I talk about this deep bench that La Jolla Press has, and it, it's for, for those of you that are sports uh, folks. This analogy will work great if you're not a sports person. Um, I apologize. It still but, works. Uh, so I think about my favorite basketball team, which is the Golden State Warriors, and have loved them way before they became really good. And they, this last year, may, you may recall, that they did not win the NBA championship. They'd won three of the last four, were favored to win this one. And then Kevin Durant, one of their star players, went down. And what was seen in all of that is they really didn't have a deep bench. And so when your star player goes down, who can you call up to kind of make sure that they're continuing on with the same level of play or almost the same level of play? And so when I think about the loss of Stan, I think about Mike moving to Escondido, I, I started looking around the church and saying, well, we have some incredible people mm-hmm. who are just waiting to be called to do ministry stuff. Yes. Uh, so I've asked Roger Brown, who has his Master's of Divinity, to step in and teach Stan Sunday School class on Sunday mornings, mm-hmm. and Roger's just absolutely loving that. He came up to me after church yesterday morning and was just telling me that he had saw, this, saw this thing in Mark chapter 2, which is what he's teaching through, and this idea of how God or how Jesus calls the paralytic son and just this incredible relationship that God has with us. And, and it's so much fun to watch him get excited mm-hmm. about teaching. We have Daryl Bryant, who's our pastor of administration. Most folks think about him kind of in the finance realm and he has his MBA. So that makes total sense, but he also has his master of divinity. And so he's going to be stepping in and helping uh, me teach Stan's Wednesday morning class. We're going to kind of do a rotation and Daryl's going to step in there and teach that. And uh, Scott has agreed to step in and help teach that, and Jim Sedgwick's going to help teach some of that. I'm going to teach some of that. So mm-hmm. it's just so nice to be able to go to Daryl's office and say, hey, can you come and, and teach for a couple of weeks, and let's share this load. Uh, we have Fred Monkowski, who also has his Master of Divinity and a Ph.D. in Ethics, and he's stepping into some kind of pastoral roles and helping out with Monday Night Men's Fellowship and uh, I just feel really grateful for that. And Bernie yes. Porter, who's been leading worship at our 845 service, as Scott Mitchell's out on uh, medical leave after his double knee replacement, and Bernie steps in as uh, an ordained pastor in the Foursquare denomination. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think people get nervous and they want to know how I'm doing because they think we don't have enough people to step in and do all the things that were being done. And yet I look around and I'm like, we have these amazing people who have just been waiting for an mm-hmm. opportunity to serve and waiting for an opportunity to teach. And so I don't really, you know, I, I get, I can't be, I can't say I don't ever get nervous because that wouldn't be true. But <laughs> I, I am always a little bit on edge, as anybody knows me well, because I have some control issues that I'm still working on. <laughs> no. And I, I think it is, it's something that I shared a while ago that the idea is that life is a mystery to be lived and not a problem to be solved. And we spend a lot of our time, or I should say, I spend a lot of my time trying to solve problems and forgetting about the mystery that God has given to us to live. And so I'm trying to learn about that and live into that. And I think that what has been happening this summer has really been helping me um, remember that God has a good plan. And as I've been sharing with folks, it's, I I say, you know, God started this church in 1905, (laughs) 114 years ago. And he's still got a good and perfect plan. Mm-hmm. And so we just have to be open to seeing where it is that that God is going to lead us. Now, obviously what I've shared in terms of these folks who have stepped into leadership, it's not the final solution. But I think it gives us some time to really think through 
what is it mm-hmm. that we want to be about as a church. Um, we don't always have the opportunity to say, Lord, where do you want us to go and how can we staff accordingly mm-hmm. to do that? And I think that that this next season, and I would really say this is probably going to be five or six months, of just kind of saying, where, what is it that God is calling us to? Mm-hmm. And how do we you know, start staffing for that or thinking about how we configure staff alignment around that. So folks are going to have to be patient. I'm, I'm not great at patience, so I apologize. <laughs> I know that that's not easy, and I know everybody wants the answer and how we're going to fix it, and I think that we're just going to take some time and make sure we get it right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're going to try and live into this vision that we're talking about, and uh, I articulate with our elder and deacon retreat this past weekend and shared a little bit about this on Sunday but it is this idea of how do we experience and express the transforming love of Christ? How, mm-hmm. how does La Jolla Press create environments where people can experience and express what Christ has done for us? Mm-hmm. And that that really, and I, as I think through kind of our ethos and who we are, it's not like that those are surprising words for us, but I think it makes us much more intentional. Mm-hmm. And that is something I think clarity matters. I think that that's, if we can say to people, hey, as we do events or as we think about things, are these helping us to experience and express Christ's transforming love? And if they're not, then we probably need to think about why are we doing them, or we need to think about are there ways that we can tweak them so that people can have this experience of Christ but also be able to express their love of Christ mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. I, I really hope that this is a time when people feel excited about the church, when they when they see this as an opportunity for growth, because yeah. I do think that our church for a long time has been very staff driven and it's because we have such a talented staff. And so people I think have said, Oh, well our staff can do it. Oh, (laughs) you know, they, they know what they're doing. They have it all under control. And, and so people have been very happy to follow the lead of the staff, uh, which is wonderful that they trust the staff and love them. But, um, but there are these people that have gifts and abilities. We have an amazing congregation. We really do. Uh, yeah. I mean, amazing people that have lived amazing lives and have amazing gifts. And you're going to interview some. And of those I'm going to interview think, some right? of those people. <laughs> yes, and and the fact that some people who whose gifts have been dormant almost are now having the opportunity to express those gifts. Right. Boy, that's exciting. That yeah. is really exciting to see what the Holy Spirit is going to do with that. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah. So I really hope that people embrace this time and they don't feel any concern for this time, but see it as such a wonderful opportunity to really grow as a congregation. And I think that maybe the question that people could be asking of our staff um, instead of saying, how are you, is saying, how can I help you? Mm -hmm. I think that that, and I think that we have this ethos of, like you said, an incredible staff that does things incredibly well. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes people are a little nervous to, you know, step in and want to volunteer, but I think we can still be a staff led church but we can be kind of a volunteer-fueled church as mm-hmm, well and mm-hmm. have volunteers and folks wanting to step in and saying, hey, how can I help with the Harvest Festival? Which, by the way, we'd love to have your help with that. <laughs> Erica Hill, shameless plug, would love to have your help with yes, that, which is coming, coming up. up. The date is? The first Sunday of November, which I believe is November mm-hmm. 2nd. Don't quote me on that because I'm not sure. But <laughs> it is the first Sunday of November. And so, uh, but I think that that would be, I mean, if, if, if folks could just ask of saying, how can we help you? Mm-hmm. And knowing that we're probably... You know, most folks, we run fast during the fall. It doesn't, I mean, even if we were fully staffed, we'd still be running as fast as we are. Mm-hmm. And so, but I think to have folks who come alongside or go up to Susie and say, hey, I'd love to help with Sunday school. 
um, you know, just kind of saying how can we help rather than mm-hmm. just asking how we're doing. Um, because I think for the most part, people are doing fine. I mean, they're still yes. grieving and we're busy, but there's also a sense of like, but God's got this. And yes. that's, that's what I keep reminding people of. Well, and, and remember that, that um, you can ask other staff people instead of just Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, and, and ask other people how you can help them because yes. they probably have a lot more. Most of you probably don't want to preach for me on Sunday morning. So that's, uh, nor would I probably. Don't, yeah, don't <laughs> no, ask Paul, how no, can I help? Yeah. Well, you can preach. I'll let you have the pulpit on Sunday morning. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I think things are going well. Chin and I are extremely grateful for um, the 13. That's crazy, too. I think about mm-hmm. that. We just started our 14th year here. Yes in La Jolla, which is just um, unbelievable, longest we've ever served at any church, mm-hmm. and uh, actually longer than I've been in ministry, you know, and we've only been in ministry 25 years, so mm-hmm. we've been here longer than anywhere else, and uh, that's just great. We love where we get to live, and yes. love where we get to serve, and love the uh, continued ongoing uh, entrepreneurial enthusiasm yes. of this congregation. It is wonderful. That's a great way to put yeah. it. It's exciting. uh, I love to talk about that. Yes, we are blessed. We are blessed, definitely. And we're excited to see what uh, the next season holds. That's right. Well, and I'm excited to hear what the next season of Shannon's podcast holds so I can (laughs) listen in on all these intriguing and wonderful people that we have. I know, some fabulous people. Fantastic people who attend our church. (laughs) Anything else you want to add, Paul? Uh, I think that's it. We want to thank you for listening, and mm-hmm. I'm just delighted my wife loves to host this and puts it all <laughs> together, and I just get to show up and talk. <laughs> well, thank you, Paul, for joining me on the first episode of the second season of the LJPC Conversations podcast, and thank you to everyone for listening. Please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. This podcast has been produced by me, Shannon Cunningham, and our wonderful director of communications, Jim Sedgwick.